podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. This is Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets premiere show. This is ESSR Central. It's the final show before Christmas, the last show of 2023. My name's Ross McLeod, and if all my Christmas wishes come true, they would have brought this man to me. It's David Gamble. David, how are you? The host of Central Episode 2 is back. And that's, yeah. that's the headline story, Ross, isn't it? <laughs> this holiday season. <laughs> I mean, I was in the first, you were on the second. It's like, it's like diehards. They both have their merits. They both take place at Christmas. And, you know, they both cause a bit of anger <laughs> towards people. For <laughs> no apparent reason. I anyway. was going to say, the last time I was here, I think I went in, like, so hard in AEW that I'm scared for you to bring up that company today. Like, <laughs> I, don't want it to, I don't want to seem like such a hater. You know, so we just need to see what happens. Anyway, ahead of our AEW World's End preview, <laughs> we have a massive back catalogue of previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. You can catch that at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And at Suplex Retweet is your Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Get involved in the conversation. Before we start, obviously, end of the year, people are talking about their best and worst of 2023. You recently helped us compile a list that me and David Hockney uh, recorded a show about. It was the yeah. top 10 of 2023, the top 10 men and women wrestlers of 2023. Tell me, um, what did you find? We'll talk about that before we go in. Anything? What did yeah. you find compiling these lists? Was there anything that surprised you? Was there anything you could maybe give That's us a insight? Yeah, without without spoiling anything, like I think um, it was much closer in the men's for a long while than it was in the women's. Like we had like so many lists come in, um, and we're we're talking like nearly twenty lists. All the lists bar one had the same person at the number one spot on the women's list. So that shows how much of a dominant win that was. What's interesting about it though is that. One person didn't have that that woman at number one, and didn't have them on her t- uh, their top ten at all. You know, so that's that that shows you. But I also think what was really interesting was you see across the SSR the people. There are people who are WWE centric. There are people who are like AEW centric, and there are people who have a good mix. So that's why I think a list like this really works because you've got so many different people who enjoy so many different facets of wrestling uh, that all are sort of coming together. Like, this isn't a spoiler because this man's not even in the top 15, but someone had Sting as their number three wrestler of the year. You know what <laughs> I mean? No one else had him touching their top 10. So that's how varied it could get, Ross, when sort of compiling this list. Well, no, absolutely. And we, we talked about, and um, we were, go- we're going to talk about it here as well, the uh, 15 to 11 for the men's and women's. Um a lot of big names missing out, um, especially the men's. Uh, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Dominic Mysterio, Damien Priest, and John Moxley, numbers 15 to 11, respectively. And 
you know, two members of the Judgment Day there, uh, uh, an AEW stalwart, uh, and then two people who, even though they've had their injury and backstage problems, they are still fan favourites. And it's yeah. amazing to see them not making the top ten. What's what's interesting about it as well, Ross? Um, the all these people, like the way we ranked it, if you ranked someone high in the list, that gave them more points than if you ranked them at number ten, right? With Brian Danielson and CM Punk, they only actually featured on three lists to get to that spot, but they were ranked so highly by the people who had them on that they climbed that far. Whereas you look at someone like John Moxley and Damian Priest. 11 and 12, they were on 8 lists and 7 lists respectively but just no one had ranked them quite in the top half of their lists enough to really get them up there and I actually think that the success of the Judgment Day on the men's side anyway has actually hindered them in this top 10 because I think that they ended up sort of splitting votes because people are like oh I can't have more than one person from the, from the Judgment Day in my top 10 if that makes sense no, absolutely. Uh, Dominic Mysterio, for me, I thought should have been in the top 10, but that's just my opinion. And on the women's side of things, uh, from New- uh, Stardom in New Japan, Julia, uh, Jade Cargill, Trinity, Chris Statlander and Tiffany Stratton, numbers 15 to 11, respectively. Um, I think a couple of people... Jade Cargill, I think she came into WWE with a head of steam. They've kind of pulled that off just now, just so they can go train her. It's, it's Royal Rumble season, I should say. Uh, Julia and Trinity, I think, are... Not that they're not top ten worthy, but they're not in a, a mainstream for the people in our, our oh, chat. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. But someone like Tiffany Stratton, um, I think it was a big shock not seeing her in the top ten. Uh, it's, it's a really tough one with Tiffany Stratton, because what's interesting is, right you actually need to go up to number seven on the list to find a woman that was on as many lists as Tiffany Stratton was. You know, she was on more lists than 10, 9 and 8 eh, on the top 10. But again, it comes down to the people who had her on had her at number 10 or 9 or 8 on their list, whereas some of the people who made it on are some people's favourites, you know? And I I will say this, like... You talk about Trinity and Julia being from outside the two big promotions. There is someone in the top 10 representing Impact, you know, who was on less lists, but the people who watch Impact, like yourself and your Scots and and your Grants to an extent, will rank someone like that very highly. And that that pushes them into the top 10. So that's a bit of the behind the scenes about how it's put. Having said that, I totally agree with you. Tiffany Stratton made my personal top 10. I would have wanted to see her on it. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. Um, so that's coming out New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, hug me nay, as we hug say here in, in Scottish soil, Ross. <laughs> the hug me nay special. Part of a massive festive lineup, starting with this podcast, which you will be listening to as of Friday the 22nd, on Saturday the 23rd, we have Saturday Draft Live, we have the festivist New Japan special, when <laughs> Scott and Grant will air their grievances about the booking of New Japan in 2023. Gary and myself will be doing a Christmas special about the ass man himself. Yeah, out the- he's got it all. <laughs> <laughs> the one Christmas special that is about the one Billy Gun, And then, of course, Hugman A., we will have, pardon me, 
Hugman A, we will have our top 10, so make sure to tune in to that. Nobody watches, only an excuse anywhere. It's repeats now, it's rubbish. So oh, we'll move on. <laughs> so we're not repeating ourselves and talking about everything else we talked about in 2023. Let's talk about some of the new stuff. Let's talk about NXT Deadline. Yeah. We talked about, uh, sorry, we're going to talk about, obviously, the Iron Survivor Challenges, the one, two, two titles on the line. Only two titles on the line? I thought that was a bit of a surprise. Two <laughs> titles on the line and two judge ma- uh, grudge matches, I should say. But before that, before we got all that, we get CM Punk because WWE want to get their money's worth before he punches someone backstage. <laughs> CM Punk. <laughs> Making amends with Shawn Michaels while wearing a Bret Hart t-shirt. It's kind of like crossing your fingers when you promise not to hit someone. Um, it doesn't really mean much. So, <laughs> But it was it was interesting to see, and we're going to talk about Punk in a minute, the, the pursuit of Punk's signature. Um, it's nice that they added NXT into it, but you always knew he wasn't going to NXT. It's kind of like when The Undertaker showed up to square goal Bobby Lashley, he was never going to waste a Royal Rumble opportunity on the ECW title. I <laughs> know, but they do well with that because the other examples I think of are like Edge confronted Finn Balor when he won the Rumble uh, in recent years and also Charlotte Flair actually did use an opportunity for the NXT title uh, when she ended up winning the Rumble match. So they do, with this sort of storyline, they've done well to sort of like layer NXT into it and give them that rub. Listen, for the se- if you want me to talk about the segment itself, I think the, the promo was pish. Um, <laughs> it was clearly unplanned it was nice to see Punk in NXT I think the real story here is what's came out after it is that Punk is very invested in going to NXT, he was there on Tuesday night I believe as well, um, he wants to help out behind the scenes, he wants to help the younger talent, um, which is very funny because one of the reasons that we've heard he was unhappy in AEW was that none of the none of the talent there wanted to listen to his advice. So now he's in a place where he can actually pass it on and it's a, a suitable environment for him to do so. But I've also heard that he's interested in one day when he retires from the ring, taking on a more active role behind the scenes in NXT. So is, is this actually, it may seem like a surprise to see Punk show up in NXT. But maybe this is one of the big selling points that WWE actually used to get Punk through the door. Maybe. Maybe we could see. We obviously saw uh, William Regal have a, a collection of matches in NXT to end his career. Yeah. We could see him with CM Punk. You know, him and Brian Danielson are two people who have always made it clear they don't need to go out on top in WWE. You know, it's about wrestling to them. Yeah. It's about going out at the right moment. And, yeah, I think great to see Punk in NXT and you have actually seen you know there's the likes of Nikita Lyons and Cora Jade uh, he made reference to it on Raw which we'll touch on in a minute Indy Hartwell talking to him about you know growing up a fan of him and listening to the advice he has because Punk has made mistakes and he's the first one to say that he's made mistakes yeah there's a good sounding board for people that listen I'm frustrated well go here listen, I want to do this, right, we'll stay here, don't do this, don't do X, Y, and Z, you know. Maybe uh, maybe the guy who wanted to smooth things over is more mature than the guys who didn't want to smooth things over, but hey, well, let's not open that <laughs> kind of ones. Let's talk about Dragon Lee winning the NXT North American Championship for Dirty Dom Mysterio while yeah. having Rick Mysterio in his corner. Um, I thought this was a bit of a strange one because obviously it was meant to be Wesley in the build-up, poor Wesley. 
um, injured again, and he's going to be out for a, a substantial amount of time. Dragon Lee was apparently getting this sort of soft launch on the main roster. Mm-hmm. Um, he appeared on Raw, he appeared on SmackDown. He had a great North American title match actually on Raw with Dominic Mysterio. Yeah. And it looked as if he was transitioning away from NXT, kind of like the way the likes of Heavy Machinery, um, EC3 and Lacey Evans sort of did when they all came up to Raw in the January. And then um, Alistair Black and Ricochet as well, two good examples. And yeah. then officially became part of the main rosters after WrestleMania. Um, doesn't look like that now. It looks like he has a fixture in NXT. I think it's. I think it's still going to be a bit of both. That like the booking decision and listen, both of these guys have came on leaps and bounds. I think Dominic Mysterio, we can talk to a blue in the face about being one of the most improved wrestlers of the year. Um, and also Dragon Lee, he's, he's launched the main roster, has been far more successful than I thought it would have been, to be perfectly honest with you. But the booking to me makes sense here, Ross, because I think Dom is young, but he's a main event star and he was never going to stay in NXT for long. We know he's got matches with Punk at WWE live events across Christmas. He was going to be busy, you know, and Dragon Lee they can still do both. That North American title has been a fixture in main roster television recently. You know what I mean? So for him to sort of pull double duty, I think would be really good uh, for him and his exposure. And uh, I don't want to spoil anything, right? And I won't say who it is or what the result was, but there was a SmackDown taped, um, not for this Friday, but for the next. Uh, or in fact, it was the, the SmackDown coming out this Friday just before Christmas has been taped. Dragon Lee defends the North American Championship on SmackDown. So I think we are going to see that going forward. This man just rack up those title defences and it will be a good way, I think, to increase his stock even further than it already is. No, absolutely. I agree, especially with Rey Mysterio out, you know, and the whole LWO implodes thing. He doesn't need to be too often have masked people failed in WWE because they're trying to make them the next Rey Mysterio only yeah. to the next Mysterio to be Rey Mysterio. And <laughs> I think that goes as well double for Dominic Mysterio because you mentioned, obviously, he's a main event talent. Uh, Lance Storm uh, tr- uh, helped train him at the Storm Wrestling Academy and he did a podcast with Chris Jericho when that um, when he closed his wrestling school and he was talking about the likes of Dom and uh, the Iconics and uh, uh, Tyler, uh, no, Tyler Bate, Ty Dillinger who had all came through that um, academy, and he said, thank God Dominic Mysterio is six foot, he goes, and a good-looking kid, he goes, because if it was the same height as his dad, they would put a mask on him and just call him Ray Mysterio Jr. Jr. And he is Can benefit- I just say, how, how has Lance Storm trained so many good, charismatic character wrestlers? No offence <laughs> to the man, but like, you, you think like people coming through his school would be like renowned technicians, and all of a sudden you're naming some of my, my favourite wrestling characters in the last 10 years? That's mad. <laughs> I, I love as well uh, Lance Storm's best character is who he is on Dark Side of the Ring. Just the... <laughs> There's one where he's talking about Hulk Hogan and WCW. He goes, Hulk Hogan gets upset when you call him bald, even though he's bald. Um, (laughs) It's the delivery. He delivers it with such just deadpan, but a wee roll of the eyes, and it's sensational. (laughs) Dominic is one of those charismatic wrestlers. And you've got... Tell me about your fantasy booking for Dom at WrestleMania, because you've mentioned this and that. I think that 
the perfect match for Dirty Dom at WrestleMania is against the Beast Incarnate Brock Lesnar. Now, I think it's very easy to make this happen. Like, all we need to see is what's the, the coyote and the fucking Roadrunner, right? For months <laughs> on end. I want Dom to eliminate Brock from the Rumble, right? Oh, and Brock to just chase this man for two months. This should be like Tash Holly with the hardcore title, except it's just Dom running away from Brock Lesnar. And then eventually Brock is like, Brock can say something like, I will quit the company unless you book this match at WrestleMania or he just like threatens Adam Pearce. And finally at WrestleMania, we'll just get to see Brock crush Dominic Mysterio in front of 100,000 people. Like To me, that sounds the perfect use of Dom because he's kind of like The Miz. Like He doesn't need to win. We know the type of character he is. He's the smarmy heel and... Brock also doesn't need to be in the main event scene to be entertaining. It kind of reminds me of when Goldberg just squashed Ziggler at SummerSlam, if you know what I mean. Hilarious. You know, that's what I want. <laughs> no, no, I absolutely agree. I, when you were talking about the, what it should be like, him chasing him, I instantly get flashbacks to Booker T in Austin in the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. Give me that. Yeah, I would love more than that. Uh, Women's Iron Survivor Challenge to determine the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship at New Year's Evil. You had Tiffany Stratton, Lash Legend, Kilani Jordan and Fallon Henley. But coming out the winner, Blair Davenport. Blair Davenport's been wrestling since 2012. She's the most accomplished woman here. Um, in and out of stardom throughout her time in New Japan. And I think it's about time, you know, injuries in NXT UK have kind of derailed at times the Blair Davenport momentum mm. because she is someone who's came in she is well known to the, the core group that watch NXT she is someone who is entertaining as a heel and really comes across with that despicable I don't care what you think about me character and it's kind of why I'm glad NXT's gone now because for a while it seemed anyone who was British just kind of get thrown there and it didn't matter if you were good, bad or in between it was just kind of, oh, we need British people for this show. And it was kind of a, a glass ceiling. I think the sky is the limit here now for Blair Davenport. And I would love, if she doesn't win the title at New Year's Evil, which I think she should, she should be in the Royal Rumble and she should be on the main roster because there is not enough depth in the women's division on the main roster. And Blair Davenport is someone who can have entertaining non-title storylines mm. in a division that desperately needs it. Yeah, I think it, especially when you have so many, uh, like like you say now with the like it's ironic they they had that glass ceiling in NXT UK and now we have so many great UK wrestlers, specifically Scottish wrestlers, by the way, like across the the main roster in NXT America. But in the case of Blair Davenport, I think if you were going to have Stratton, you know, do the obvious and come back and win this, she was the next best choice and. You are right in what you say. She's been the victim of the, her own injuries, but also the NXT women's division is pretty stacked, like quite pretty consistently. So it's hard when Tiffany Stratton was the top heel in that brand for so long to then have Blair Davenport, you know, she had that really nice feud with Roxanne Perez. Like, but apart from that, it's hard to see her reaching for the title. I don't see her winning at New Year's Evil because of the Cora Jade addition to the storyline. I kind of feel that Cora Jade showing up 
um, uh, in, in, on this event at the end of the match, stole some of Blair Davenport's thunder, um, which is a hard thing to say because this should have been one of the biggest wins of her career up until this point. Would not be against her in the Rumble. My only fear, Ross, is even though I agree with you, I like the presentation, I could see her getting lost in the shuffle. Um, that's that would be my only my only trepidation uh, regarding it. No, that is that's true because there is a lot of heels on the main roster. I think we need to start turning people back towards the face side, the likes of Bailey, which you know we've talked about before, going that- back to a modern era hugger gimmick. You know, Becky Lynch, you know, she can she can say what she wants. She is a, a face and a, a massive face at that. But, yeah, it, ironically, yeah, the women's division being stacked sometimes does stop people. And it is only when they go to the main roster they sometimes break out. Who'd have thought that Alexa Bliss and Carmella would have the careers oh. on the main rosters they have? Yeah, but, you know, exactly. Even, uh, like, Maxine Dupree. Uh, oh, no. Nothing on NXT, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Um, let's talk about Carmelo Hayes. Looked a bit um, out of place here in this singles match against Lexus King. Because mm. we're so used to seeing him in the opener for the NXT North American title or in the main event for the NXT title. Kind of felt like when John Cena started transitioning from that <laughs> main event role, feels like Carmelo Hayes is winding down in NXT. And this was a a decent match, but a pretty nothing match. You know, I, I thought if someone was going to win, it'd be Alexis King because if Carmelo's going to stick about, this would play into the downfall of Carmelo Hayes before he leaves. Mm. But he just kind of wins, and then Alexis King goes, "Yeah, I know you didn't attack Trick Williams, but thanks for getting me on a uh, on a PLE." And then that was it. Like, what was the point here, Alexis King? came in and been lost in the shuffle as quickly <laughs> as quickly as the likes of EC3. Yeah, I think Lexus King is going to be in NXT for a couple of years at least to find to find himself, find his footing, and sharing a ring with Carmelo Hayes. In the end, win or loss, I don't think is a bad way to at least get yourself seen, and that's what the characters that are playing on. With your point on Carmelo, he is done in NXT. And truthfully, probably has been done for some time. Um, he is he is a man who's ready to graduate. He's in that United States Championship tournament in SmackDown. Had a banger of a match with Grayson Waller uh, on SmackDown. If you saw that, like that was that was a very very good TV match. His final storyline will be Trick. That that is where we are going here. It's Melo versus Trick. And Melo should put over Trick in his way out of NXT. I just hope that we pull the trigger with that soon, because, like you said, it wasn't. It isn't that Carmelo feels out of place in NXT anymore. Like it's more that he feels like one of the main roster stars who's coming down for a guest appearance as a guest stint in NXT. He's that good, and we're ready to see him in the the top echelon of WWE. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. Um, Trick Williams, though, ended up winning the Iron Survivor Challenge in a sensational finish to the match. Um, a show, a match that gave everyone a showcase. Dijak, Josh Briggs, Tyler Bate, Braun Breaker, all looked sensational in this match. My highlight, of the, besides the finish, my highlight of the match is Braun Breaker 
when everyone's on two falls, he comes in at number five and hits three spears in less than a minute. <laughs> and bang, pin, bang, pin, bang, pin, and goes three up. It was just absolutely sensational. Braun Breaker is another one. I think it's it's time for him to go. There's so many people here that feel like they're at the end, but it's also what makes NXT feel so big time at the minute because yeah. these guys are starting to outgrow the brand for what it is. And this is why I, I've mentioned before NXT 2.0 might be the best thing that ever happened to a wrestling brand that yeah. no one wanted. Everyone loved black and gold. Everyone was so against this Vince McMahon-led character-based change. And it's worked wonders, I thought, because we saw the likes of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn kind of falter on the main roster when they went up, the likes of mm-hmm. Neville, because it, there was no character there. there was the, they had to develop the character. So, you know, you had the prize fighter, you had the, the honorary, so you had the king of the cruiserweights, and that was when their best work came out. Mm-hmm. This character-based NXT has got so many stars waiting to go up to the main roster. And yeah. I'm just hoping that they start to put the rocket on their back with Triple H uh, being in charge and they don't do this Vince McMahon thing where it's they're on fire for six months in NXT and then they come up and it's like they beat Tozawa at Extreme Rules after WrestleMania. <laughs> then they beat R-Truth in a one-minute match. Then they then they get some legend out, so they get Mark Henry out. You know, I know he's in AEW, but, you know, go with me. No, I get what you mean. I get, and I, I get. I, the, the, the ironic thing with Braun is that I could see a Ryback. It's great to, to right. for him, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I agree with you completely on Braun Breaker. I think it's, it's a shock that he wasn't even called up this time last year. Like... If we're saying that people Roman Reigns should have dropped the title last year, I don't think that's the major concern. Braun Raker should have left NXT last year. And the, the strange thing is, and the good thing is, I think it was good of them to give him the heel turn so that he could keep working in his character, so that he could find a new dimension to his character as well. But I, I'm now thinking, Ross, if there's anyone that's primed to come into the Royal Rumble, it is Braun Breaker. And... We're at, I don't know about you, I'm scratching my brain for who it should be who's facing Gunter at WrestleMania and hopefully beat him. I would not be against Braun Breaker being that man uh, at this point in time. Braun Breaker is some. I think he's the last person to pin uh, Gunther. There you go. The, the so, story's right there then. There you are. But let's talk about the story of Trick Williams, the guy who was the backup the guy who was never meant to be North American champion, the guy who, for all intents and purposes, was a hype man. Mm -hmm. And now in the the NXT heading into that, people were backing him over Carmelo, who's been a fan favourite for over a year. It's just that it's the... And I mentioned this on the the Billy Gunn special, and I'm not saying Trick Williams and Billy Gunn are the same, but it's this unexpected... Indian summer that we got with Billy Gunn. <laughs> yeah. No one ever expected Trick Williams to do anything. And yet here he is, and the crowd are going absolutely mental for him. He is six foot four. He's only 29 years old. He has his whole career ahead of him. 
I think he'll be in NXT for another at least 18 months. And I don't mm. think that's a bad thing because he's so over there and yeah. there's so many storylines to tell with him, especially when Carmelo leaves. But, my God, he is so... Old. I, I, I can't remember the last time someone was as over as this in NXT, you know, no. maybe Gargano. Yeah, it was around around that time, around that era, certainly. I think it's... I'm going to sound like a curmudgeon here, right? Yeah, like, I'm so hard to impress, like... I didn't, I didn't get it with Trick Williams at first. Uh, I didn't see a main event talent there. Uh, I didn't see someone who was beyond being generic. His role as a hype man, I think, was as far as it was going to go. But Trick Williams' real strength, right, for a lot of people to find their character and find their footing, they need to become like a cool heel or they need to do something like pure out there or over the top. Trick Williams is tuned into his own natural likability. And that is not something I say lightly. I don't think that's a skill that, that should be looked down upon. It's hard to be a pure babyface in wrestling. I think it's one of the hardest jobs and one of the hardest characters to play because you're on a knife edge between being boring, being the sort of white, white babyface, you know what I mean? And Trick Williams, it, it manages to be entertaining while also hanging on to that likability. Add in the, the natural physical tools he has at his disposable, like you said, six foot four, 29 years old. I'm now I'm now aboard the Trick, Trick Williams train, and I can't wait to see what he does um, when he finally gets that, that NXT championship match at New Year's Evil. I don't know if he's going to become champion at that event, uh, and then what the story is going forward with, with Melo and Trek. I'm all on board for it, Ross. It's been a journey from me in Mr. Williams, it has to be said, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you took us on that journey there, Liz. So, <laughs> um, another face in the... Sorry, another person in the women's division who would benefit from going up to the main roster and certainly could fill that uh, lack of faces role I mentioned. Roxanne Perez. Roxanne Perez seems to be on... She has this... Um, sort of Teflon-like durability on these premium live events for NXT because it, regardless of being in a title match or not, which is quite rare for a women's wrestler, certainly in NXT, she is on these PLEs constantly, on the losing end to Kiana James in this steel cage match. Kiana James, I like the character, but she's not there yet in ring. She yeah. has this Stephanie McMahon-esque character. Mm-hmm that I think would be better suited to being a general manager or, oh, be, or be, being the foil to someone. See that sort of way where um, where Brie Bella had to coax Stephanie McMahon into that match. She yeah. would be a foil where the natural ending to what should have been the Sonya Deville Trinity thing that never ended, or Naomi, yeah. sorry, she was called at the time. Kiana <laughs> James is someone like a Sonya Deville who could benefit from being a heel authority figure and only wrestling the big matches while she develops her character. Yeah, I can even see her as a, a like, and this is a strange comparison, right? But as a female Bobby Heenan, right? Because she yeah, has well, that character where you can see her building this this entire like big family around her, you know, and eventually you can get to the final boss. And it's that sort of story that I think you need in NXT, you need in the women's division. Like people are, and yourself, you've always preached for, we need stories out t- outside of the title scene. 
Well, to do that, you need stories that are worth telling. And there's a there's an easy device for you right there, you know, with Kiana James ready-made. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. Um, and Roxanne Perez, losing the title, like, I can't even remember who it was that interfered. It was like, oh, my God. And the, the whole crowd were like, who is that? And it didn't help. <laughs> the interfered, had her hair in front of her face as she was trying to go, it is what it is. I'm sure that TikTok... You know, I'm sure it's Shawn Michaels finding a TikTok on Facebook, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was Dame uh, was the, the wrestler. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who she is. Right, <laughs> no. I, I, I was about to say me either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Roxanne Perez, uh, no longer in the title scene, kind of like Braun Breaker. And this is something I meant to touch on with Braun Breaker. You mentioned him not being called up. He was meant to lose to Ziggler at um, Stand and Deliver 2022 and then go up to the main roster. Instead, he wins the title back, holds it for a year, and is now floating about um, yeah. NXT at the minute. So it is a, a bit of a weird one, you know, losing to the likes of Baron Corbin and that. But I'm not going to say it's ageism. I, I, don't, I don't think it's as strong as that. But I think they look at them and think we've got years ahead with these people because Braun Breaker's 26. Roxanne Perez, 22 years old. You know what I mean? Like, So I, I think there is the attitude that, oh, we're not in a hurry. But that would be fine if NXT wasn't televised. But there is an element of the fan base who do watch NXT um, and will just be like, okay, when are we going to sort of get the ball rolling uh, with Roxanne Perez at this point? You know, who are, who are chomping at the bit to see her on the main roster and she may be young, she may only be 22, but when someone's there, they're there. You know, you've just got to, I think you've just got to take the leap of faith. No, I agree. Actually, someone we haven't talked about who is also only 22 years old, uh, turning at the end of the the Iron Survivor and taking out uh, Laia Valcara, uh, the Irish bird, I can never pronounce her name. Laia <laughs> <laughs> Valkyria, I believe the, the pronunciation is. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, oh, happy <laughs> Christmas, folks. I've been at the Mold Anyway, <laughs> don't, 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 don't worry about it. It's a genuinely hard name. Like, no one's hoping that against you. <laughs> but um, Cora Jade returns attacking the NXT Women's Champion, whose name I won't say. <laughs> holding the title aloft, um, NXT's resident mean girl with a brand new look about her. And Again, this is where Blair Davenport might get lost in the shuffle, as we mentioned yeah. before. It's kind of like how the conversation's getting lost in the shuffle because we're all over the place here, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> when we mentioned Braun Breaker, I was oh, Christ, Cora Jade. Um, <laughs> Cora Jade returning at the end of that match, so more people in the NXT women's division is heating up. Let's talk about the main event. Let's talk about Ilya Dragunov versus Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin is someone who I think has really benefited from going back to NXT because he is a good character. He is good in ring. He is someone who just get lost on the main roster for too long. The Constable Corbin thing just killed any momentum and too many gimmick changes too quickly, I think. No stability is a bad thing on the main roster. Yeah. And, you know, we saw it with the likes of Dolph Ziggler. We saw it for a long time with Sami Zayn uh, before yeah. they Joe uh, heel turn and you know the uh, the honorary Russo and all that, but 
Baron Corbin, you know, getting some big wins in NXT, the last person to pin Dragon off. He beat Braun Breaker at the last premium live event. He is in the main event here, and this is this is something I have a problem with you your dragon off. He's a hard hitting hundred miles an hour guy. But I almost feel as if they're slowing him down. And the finisher, the the big flying elbow thing. Yeah. I think uh, it's kind of like the Warriors splash, right? Mm-hmm. See, because he used to do it like a hundred times in a row. And yeah. the more he did it, the more you would see that he's not actually hitting the guys. Yeah. And that's kind of what I think of. It's like, in theory, you know, a 300-man, pound man, splashing on you would hurt. In yeah. theory, an angry Russian who looks like Reginald Hargreaves from the Umbrella Academy <laughs> throwing his forearm into your face would hurt. Yeah. But it's overexposure, and I just don't think... I think he's a main event-level wrestler, but I don't think he's a main event-level character. I always feel hmm. that the... And this has been a problem since the likes of maybe Adam Cole and Champa aside, that the NXT champion is never a great character. He's oh, a, he's a great wrestler, but at the end of a night when you you know you're tired and you you know you want to see the main event and go to bed, these people that don't have a character to grasp to or you don't have a reason to love or hate them, I find they flop as NXT champions, and it's kind of what I'm feeling with Dragunov. I th- I think. I completely understand what you're saying, and I think the traditional criticism of the NXT champion not having a character is actually quite an astute observation for you. If you look back and you think, yeah, like those guys, I like those guys. With Dragonov, I, I, I hate to do that. I hate to bring this name up, right? And it's not talk about the person, just talk about the character, right? He reminds me of the Chris Benoit character, like in, in a way that it is just intensity. This man is more intense. Um, than anyone else that you're going to come up against in the WWE. That's how you need to sell Dragunov. And I I honestly believe that that's kind of the only character that he needs. Like, sell him as, the, this is the dangerous man. This is, this is the man who will absolutely tear you to pieces if you're not ready to go. Like, sometimes you, you need a big gimmick. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Like, sell that side of the character. With Corbin. <laughs> I'm a massive Corbinite, Ross. <laughs> I love this man. And listen, here here's the thing. He's been criticized. He has been absolutely lambasted at times online from certain uh, elements of the fan base. But Baron Corbin has always been consistent. He's always been a true heel. He garners heat like no one else. And I, I'm going to predict this, right? Baron Corbin is primed for a Sheamus-esque comeback in WWE, I think. Like, you remember when Sheamus was sort of lost, was floundering, inconsistent for years, right? And then all of a sudden, everyone was like, by the way, Sheamus is, like, really good. We like the big man who just hits people. Like, that's someone we can get behind. I can see people doing the same for Corbin. Because he's everything that we should want. He's a big, tall man who punches and he hits, and he has one of the best finishers in wrestling. Like I, I'm all on board with him. Send him back to the main roster and have him do something like significant because the man deserves it. I think, by the way, and this is uh, a thing I think they should be doing with the end of days because 
Razor Ramon never used to hit the razor's edge unless he was winning. Yeah. Ian Priest has kept that tradition alive. He doesn't hit the razor's edge unless he's winning. Yeah. I think Baron Corbin's finisher should be deep six, and he yeah. only uses end of days when people kick out of deep six. No one kicks out of end of days. Because it can yeah. be hit, like the RKO, it can be hit out of anywhere. Yeah. How many people have kicked out of end of days? Is it still one person? Drew, I think, it's kicked out. I think it's just Drew at WrestleMania who's ever kicked out of it. You know? So, and I don't, listen, I think there's ways that I think you're right for most of it because it's a good, but it's still a good storytelling tool on the occasions that he does hit it and someone rolls out of the ring, you know? Like, yeah. oh, or the foot's on the rope. Like, I can accept that time to time. But for the most, most occasions, the deep sex is still an impressive enough move that it can work, you know, very much on its own as a finisher. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, it's, <laughs> I would love to have seen him as NXT champion because I think him going up against Trick and perhaps winning through nefarious means because we saw at the end of the match, uh, Trick comes out, he stares down Dragunov and there's uh, Carmelo Hayes in tow but it doesn't Ooh. look like it's <laughs> foreshadowing um, but yes um, Trick Williams getting beat by Corbin and then Corbin winning only simply because Carmelo screwed him over, Corbin taking wins any means necessary Corbin lording it over the fans it would be sensational. It would be absolutely sensational to see Corbin as an NXT champion. And, hey, see WrestleMania time. See if we are going to put Dragon Lee on the main roster. I think Baron Corbin stand and deliver your North American champion. That should be a booking. But we'll move on from NXT to CMP. That's CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Monday after, he made his decision. He decided to go to Monday Night Raw. He said... SmackDown put together a very attractive package. NXT gave me anything I could want, uh, but uh, Raw's offer blew it out the water. So clearly, clearly he's been given the Mbappe deal. That's all I can think of here. <laughs> yeah. he tell, he, I mean, that's kind of what he was doing in AEW. Nope, Matt Hardy, you can't come in. Nope, Christopher Daniels, you can't come in. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Um, but no, CM Punk signs with Monday Night Raw. He says he's home, and then we get it. They didn't give us to it, give it to us straight away. They let a couple of punk appearances pass. They let people mention it online. They made snidey references towards it, but then Seth Rollins comes down and face to face, Seth Rollins gets right in Punk's face and says, I'll be here when you mess up again, and I'll be here to shut the door on your legacy. Mm. A sensational promo. Punks in the Rumble. I'll be full steam ahead to the, these two in our WrestleMania World Title match. Let to answer your question, uh, they, they are full steam ahead to a WrestleMania match. Um, from what we've been hearing uh, through the rumor mill, through through the the dark sheet, Ross, as it's been said, is that the Rumble winner has been set since August September time, and they've not changed their mind on that. Now. I I don't really see it being cosy again, uh, in which case the winner, I think, will be challenging for 
the World Heavyweight Championship, which will not belong to Seth Rollins by that time. I think, and this is just my personal opinion, if it, if it is for the world title, go for it. Seth versus Punk doesn't need the world title. It sells itself alone uh, on the, the real-life heat that they've been they've done beautifully because it hasn't relied on you just knowing the behind-the-scenes of the heat between the two of them. They've had Seth's reaction at Survivor Series, real or not. They've then had, like you said, a week so the normal viewer can see, oh, there's tension here between Punk and Rollins. You know, something, there's history there, something's going on. So they are full steam ahead in that feud. It's smart. The promo was absolutely outstanding in everything it needed to be. And it's it's a testament to WWE's booking that they didn't have these two confront each other week one because I think other promotions would have. They probably would have had Punk wrestle on television uh, by this point uh, also <laughs> as well, um, which obviously you shouldn't be doing because that, sh- that is a massive selling point, CM Punk's first match back. Um, no notes. To answer your question, I do think it happens at WrestleMania. I do think it main events night one. I don't think it's for the world title. That's fair enough, that's fair enough. Um, what do you think, who do you think that Rumble winner will be, by the way? Because um, <laughs> there is two people currently off TV. Sami yeah. Zayn and granted a leave of absence, we don't know why. Um, and Gunther, last night on Raw, he defends it, coming out of title against Miz. And he announces to Imperium he's going to take a few weeks away to refocus is he Rumble training? Is it Gunther? Is it Sammy? Who is it? I have a bet on in Sky Bet that I put on uh, in the end of summer, probably like September time, right? Uh, my two Rumble winners are Bailey and Sami Zayn. Now, I believe it could be at Raw Day 1 or it could be at the Rumble itself. I believe Drew McIntyre is our next World Heavyweight Champion. That is what I believe. And I think you've set up this story with Sammy where they, they, Drew's now taking Sammy out. Sammy's never gotten his moment. Drew's going to take his by any means necessary. So it means that Sammy has to win the Rumble, come back and take that moment at, Drew, at Drew's expense. And I think that the thing that's beautiful about WWE, everyone's like, oh, you need to strike while the iron's hot. Like, there are certain characters who are always going to be hot. Like, when your company's hot, your biggest stars, they're always going to be hot. And we didn't get Sammy in Montreal. You know, I'm getting emotional talking about this here. And we got his tag team win. But Sammy Zayn winning a world title seemed like it would never happen. One of the biggest things I think they need to give us this Rumble is a surprise. Because we knew it would be Cody last year. And what better way to please the fan trust than Sammy Zayn, of all people, Winning the Royal Rumble. Like, just feel that in your bones for a second, you know what I mean? Like, it's unbelievable. I would be against it. Um, By the way, just so you know, there has been 65 people in WWE who could say they held a world title. There's only ever been 46 WrestleMania main eventers there. Yeah, it's mental. And Sami Zayn, one of the 46 WrestleMania main eventers at this point. You know, which is who's the weirdest WrestleMania man of it? Is, is it Jimmy Uso? Like, not in a bad way, but like. <laughs> I think you're going to have to go some way to beat Lawrence Taylor. Um, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. 
Fair enough. I take it back. Sorry, Jimmy. That was that was really rude. Just for those that ask, uh, there's been 54 WWE champions. There's been three Universal champions who've never held a WWE title: Balor, KO, and Braun. And there's been world champions of Goldberg, Benoit, Booker, Cali, Swagger, Christian, and Mark Henry to complete the 65 set. There you are. Just oh, next time you get a pub quiz. Cali, mind that. You touched on, um, and because it's in the news as well, so we'll talk about it here. Um, you talked about Drew McIntyre being the next uh, WWE champion. Yeah. WWE a very special day one edition of Raw on New Year's yeah. Day. They've got on tap, they've got Rhea Ripley, Ivy Nile for the Women's World title. They mm-hmm. have a grudge match between Becky Lynch and uh, Nia Jax. They have a women's tag match, but not a tag title match, because reasons. Uh, Zoe Starks and Shane Baszler are going up against Tegan Knox and Natalia, because that'll put butts in seats. And they've got <laughs> Seth Rollins against Drew McIntyre for the World Heavyweight Championship. You've said you think Drew is the next world champion. Yeah. I think this is when... Damien Priest cashes in. I think Damien Priest is your next world champion and there's a DQ win for Seth Rollins next Monday mm. and it's because Drew goes too far. Drew can't accept it. Drew kicks the living hell out of Seth for it. Yeah. And Damien Priest cashes in. That That's my prediction. It'd be interesting. Like, and, here, and here's the thing about both our predictions do what you always say. We need more of in the road to WrestleMania, and that's a bit of unpredictability, you know. Both throw a spanner in the works, and in Damian Priest Ross, one of the most deserving people in WWE TV of getting a world championship. I, I think Damian Priest is excellent. Do you know the only reason I disagree with you? Oh. And it is. Do you remember the Raw after Mania last year? And yes how absolutely shit it was. Um, <laughs> and I think that Triple H will view that and look at that and say, I need to deliver on the Raw After Mania this year. I need to make a big splash. For me, the Raw After WrestleMania is where Damien Priest will cash in his money in the bank contract. I think I think we need to wait uh, till that till that night to see it happen. That would be good, wouldn't it? You could give Sammy's moment. Yeah, you know, and then take it away. <laughs> It'll be so good. <laughs> and that's the thing that they easily done as well, because you could have someone turn on Sammy. Yeah. You could have a, you know, a, a Jey Uso or a Cody turn on, well, not Cody, he's probably the one I want to talk about, a Jey Uso turn on Sammy and just say, you know, the, the storyline writes itself, why was everyone suspicious of me, but no one was suspicious of you, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, Jay turns on him. You have a, a feud during the summer with Jay and Sammy. Your priest hold the title to SummerSlam, and then Sammy gets his moment again at SummerSlam. No, I, I agree. Then I, I'll go for Drew. Then let's go. Let's have a. <laughs> I'm so you on the path. What else is in the news? There's loads of things to talk about, isn't there? <laughs> uh, it's a fun time. Keep it going. Well, Sean Ross <laughs> Sam- Fightful has just posted the recently injured Charlotte Flair was believed to have signed one of the biggest contract extensions for a woman in WWE history. Uh, Medusa had said she had heard as much of the same this fall on her podcast. Um, so apparently sources told Fightful, but Medusa told you all beforehand. Um, Charlotte it's kind Flair, of like when first time films broke the news that Kayleigh Ray was signing for NXT, if you remember that one. <laughs> Oh, I was on that show, yeah, but Charlotte Flair out for the foreseeable. 
Um, unfortunately, it, it looked a nasty one. That it looked horrendous. Yeah, and here's the thing: like you always need, I think, put. I, I think it's unfair. There's always an asterisk you put when you mention Charlotte Flair. Oh, she's a divisive character, right? I, I'm ready to stop putting that asterisk there, right? Maybe she was a bit overbooked under Vince, right? But I went to the house show with my wee cousin um, in Glasgow recently, Ross, right? And when Charlotte Flair came out, it, it, a star was in the, the room. Like, the place went unglued. It didn't matter that she'd been booed. No one's thinking, oh, overbooking, oh, here's Charlotte again. Charlotte's going to win again. It was just a moment to see Charlotte Flair heal her face, whatever she is. She is one of the most over women superstars full stop that they have in the roster and she's one of the best consistently in ring like even in her off days Charlotte Flair is better than uh, than most you know so I I wish her a speedy recovery I know it's a long way away I think she deserves a bumper contract and face to life can we decide if we're calling her producer or Alundra Blaze because it makes me confused so <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about someone who recently returned in a blaze of glory. Hey, hey that's a segue. Hey. <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about Randy Orton. Randy Orton was also being touted by both Raw and SmackDown, although clearly Shawn Michaels still holds a grudge. Um, he didn't try to pursue him for NXT. But, Imagine uh, Randy in NXT. Fuck me, that'd be <laughs> I'd love to see Randy Orton versus Tyler Bay. I just think it's a fascinating matchup. But um, Randy Orton... <laughs> Um, is promised a world title match uh, by Adam Pearce. Nick Aldis, I was a bit called Magnus there, Nick Aldis <laughs> promises Randy Orton a match against the Bloodline, to which Randy Orton, RKO's Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Uso, and then RKO's Nick Aldis himself signs yeah. a contract. He's on a, ro- he's on a collision course with Roman Reigns. It looks like it's going to be Randy versus Roman at the Royal Rumble at the very least. AJ Styles, however, has returned to put a bit of a span on the box. AJ Styles returned looking like a comic book character. He's jacked to the gills. Yeah. <laughs> Returns to even the uh, the odds as Randy Orton and Ellie Knight were being beat down by the bloodline. And then AJ Styles turns on Ellie Knight just randomly. Just what yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So weird. Um, I wouldn't make the obvious joke that AJ and Randy have been seeing the same pharmacist, you know, but uh, like I think they both came back like absolutely twice the size. It looks like they both ate Rey Mysterio and that's why he's injured uh, like at this stage in the game. I, I believe that um, we're just trying to add flavour to this. I think AJ has the right to be angry with the bloodline, but you know, it's the classic of LA night. You got your opportunity off the back of my injury. You know, uh, and that's that's the easy story to tell there. I believe, and I think this is for the better, that we're getting a fatal four way at the Rumble. And I love Roman Reigns. I'm a big defender of the Bloodline story, right? But a four way is a really great opportunity to freshen up the Reigns formula of matches. Um, and it just adds a bit of a bit of excitement to the affairs. You've got AJ, who can, even for his size, still do a bit of the, the high-flying, high-octane style. Uh, you've got Randy and LA Knight, who are more sort of like methodical performers, and you have the powerhouse and reigns. Like, it'll be a good formula, those four together. 
and a story with a couple more layers rather than I'm angry with Roman, I hate the bloodline, I want the world championship, I think it would be good and add a bit more jeopardy to the situation. Yeah, that's that's something I was critical about um, when we went back to Crown Jewel with yeah. the women's Fatal Five way because Rhea Ripley is sort of booked the same way as Roman Reigns, mm. certainly in the women's division, and it didn't feel like there was any jeopardy there with that Fatal Five way. It always seemed like, how are we going to get the Rhea pin? So yeah, I think Roman in a four way would be yeah would be good. I'd, I'd watch that. I thought it was going to be just Randy, but maybe Randy will be. At the chamber, you know, because yeah. you can make it as if you know, Randy gets the RKO and Roman pushes him out the uh, the ring to get the pin. You know what I mean? Or yeah. you can head off in that AJ Styles LA Knight, you know, trajectory. You've talked about as well before LA Knight getting a big match at WrestleMania against Logan Paul for the US title. Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe a big win over someone like AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Is something they do for LA Knight to just keep that dream going. I'd be disappointed if it was AJ. I would be disappointed if it was AJ. Um, and I don't know why I have this perception thing that AJ wouldn't be big enough of a use for Knight. You know what I mean? Like Logan gives you, if it was Logan, if it was the US title, it gives you that that mainstream appeal. The happy medium for me, I think, a win over Randy Orton does a lot, a lot more for LA Knight. You know, if we're talking about what's going to happen at WrestleMania, because Randy, they've had this sort of tense alliance right now, but Randy Orton is the viper. He can turn and strike out of nowhere, you know, and I could see him doing that to LA Knight. I think the options that you have for Knight, realistically, like you said, Logan Paul, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and even if he loses to uh, Logan Paul, if he wins this US tournament, potentially Kevin Owens. Maybe, you know, but that's... Or maybe teams with Owens against Didi and Waller, but I'm still sticking that I think Logan would be the best booking for LA Knight. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I wouldn't, wouldn't be against seeing it. I'm just saying I think AJ Styles could prove a big opponent because I think people need big wins. And this is something I think with... If we're going to go for the... Uh, the Judgment Day breaking up at WrestleMania. I think if Damien Priest faces Finn Balor, I really mm. hope they go with the Balor wins so he can be a, a challenger to Damien further down the line. No, I yeah, think Owen Hart style. Enough big wins on big stages. And I think that's something that being locked in the the John Cena return is kind of hampered LA Knight, if you get me, because mm-hmm. it's, oh, I'm putting the spotlight on him and it's just kind of like, no, you're advertising John Cena's here and then you're giving us a bait and switch. It's John Cena's here to cheer on this guy. Like, it wasn't about LA Knight. LA Knight was always <laughs> advertising. It's hard, it's hard, though, because you take the good with the bad. Like, there are there are fans who will tune in or people who tune in like and see John Cena's back. Like, more mainstream media outlets will cover John Cena's back. And then they might say, who's that guy who's with him? You know, it's it's it's. it's uh, I understand what you're saying. I'd probably be inclined to agree with you, but it's it also does have some benefit for LA Knight. And I think the thing is, you do have a bit of a ticking clock with LA Knight. He is on the older side, so the best way to launch him isn't just with what happens in ring. It's what's outside it. 
like it's getting him mainstream appeal, it's getting him on talk shows, is letting him sell people with his mic skills, you know? And I think LA Knight's a very particular project for WWE, and it'll be, it will be interesting to see which way they go from at WrestleMania. And I think it will be telling who he faces, how invested they actually are with LA Knight. I, I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. Um, let's move on to Impact, soon to be TNA Wrestling. Impact Wrestling held its final uh, show under the Impact Wrestling banner. It was the final resolution show. They're full mm-hmm. steam ahead to the Hard to Kill, ironic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Hard to Kill pay-per-view in 2024. Uh, Trinity going up against Jordan Grace for the TNA Knockouts World Championship. This is a pay-per-view, by the way, that usually has women main eventing. It's not a new thing. Uh, Deanna Brazo and James have done it together more than once, so be interesting. <laughs> Much to your delight. <laughs> <laughs> Deanna, yes, Mickey, no. Um, Alex Shelley going up against Moose, defending the TNA World Championship. Chris Sabin defending the TNA X Division Championship in a, a three-way match, which features the newest exclusive signee to TNA Wrestling, Kushida, and the AAA Mega Champion, Vikingo, who we've seen uh, mixing it up in, uh, in AEW recently with the likes of Commander and Kenny Omega. That'll be a great match. And the big hook here is... Oh, he's ne- not here, is he? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> well, he might be. Uh, the big hook is what's happening at the show and what's happening the next night. So TNA, I was about to say Impact there, I'm so used to saying Impact now that I'm not kind of TNA. <laughs> TNA have announced a World Collide uh, shocker. You won't believe who's appearing at Hard to Kill. And then the next night, they're going to have the likes of Vikingo, Will Osprey, who's taking on Josh Alexander in a rematch from their Most Bound for Glory tapings, uh, showdown and the return to TNA of Okada. Okada is going to be teaming with Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin of the Motor City Machine Guns to go up against Brian Myers, Eddie Edwards and Moose. This could have title implications as well because Okada is someone that's going to become a free agent soon. Yeah, The winner of you know the, the world champion regardless but Alex Shelley or Moose is going to be in that match. I wonder if TNA are going to be smart enough before the inevitable AEW or WWE announce the signing of Okada to get a quick run out of him, get a bit of the shine from him, and a title match out into the bargain uh, with uh, Okada. That'd be interesting to see. And it'd be interesting to see who's this guy that's going to show up. You won't believe who's going to show up. Yeah. See, for me, with the whole... Impact, uh, sorry, with the AEW thing. And, you know, AEW have actually been quite good to impact, letting a lot of talent appear there. You know, Christian had an extended run there. Kenny Omega did all the premium live events while he was world champion. The only person for me you can't believe who's going to appear, it's got to be Triple H. That, that to me, says Triple H appears. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard because... On Akata, right? Great get for them, and they should be using him for as long as they have him. He is still one of the because he. The thing is, and Grant Scott talked about in East Week's West. New Japan is not in their best period right now, right? 
But Okada is someone that people associate with that modern sort of golden age of New Japan, where everyone in the wrestling community was aware of it. And if you were going to be cool in the wrestling community, you had to watch at least Wrestle Kingdom. You know, I mean, and tune in to what's happening there, know who Akada is. In Stephen Wilson's case, hate who Akada is. You know? <laughs> uh, like, so he is a name. And I, I don't often say that about indie talents, you know what I mean? But he comes with this this Japanese pedigree. His wife's even more famous than he is over there. Um, so it, uh, you're right in Akada. The problem they have is, do you remember when Christian debuted for AEW, right? And yes. how that went down? And it was because Tony Khan announced we have got a Hall of Fame talent. One of the biggest wrestlers of all time is coming in. And I love Christian. He's doing great work today. He has been one of my favourite wrestlers for a number of years. But that was overhype. When you hype someone up, you have to deliver. And if you've already announced that a cad is coming the next night, it kind of needs to be on par with that or surpass it. And right now, Ross, the only person on my mind that can match that would be Mercedes Money. That would be the only person I could think of. See, she's a free agent, though. That's the thing. Um, yeah, it does say worlds collide. But at the same time, at the same time, you know, AEW plans for Mercedes Money are said to be out the window. Mm. She did, you know, ride or die with Trinity. They both put the women's tag titles down and left the company together. Um, The story is there. Uh, Trinity has been a good knockout world champion. She has wins of the likes of Alicia Edwards and Diana Perrazzo. I don't think it would be a bad idea. Um, Just thinking in her head, right, and I've made no bones about it in pictures and patter. Like, Mercedes is a lying bitch. Like, you know, like, I have my beef with her when it comes to the Mandalorian. She's like, oh, I don't think I'm in this season. And then I'm like, there you are. I, I fucking knew it. Um, but she cares about her acting. She cares about what she does outside of wrestling. So from that perspective, you know, WWE might not right, be the right path for her right now if she wants to continue doing that. But on the other side, she views herself very much as a main eventer and she wants to be the focus. And if AEW aren't committing to booking their women's division right, that might not be the right path for her either. So to continue doing the stuff outside of wrestling and be promised and guaranteed main event matches and like a a spotlighted role in television, is it impact, Ross? You know what I mean? That's, That's where I'm thinking. No, no, I do agree. Um, I suppose it's one of those ones where, um, and you know, I, I don't want to use the the Brendan Rogers analogy. He's don't first talk to me about that man right now. <laughs> so I'll talk about Stephen Gerrard when he came into Rangers, and Rangers were an absolute bin fire, and you know, hiring Pedro Cucini and Graham Murphy, and sending <laughs> him the absolute dross of the Mexican league. Yeah. He had the star power where he could basically tell Rangers, this is what we're doing, I'm in charge, blah, blah, blah. I think that's the sort of thing that if Mercedes money went to impact, Mm. there wouldn't be the pressure to not do outside WWE stuff. There wouldn't be the the WWE Studios black cloud looming over you, like, hey, if you want to do acting, we do films, yeah, yeah. 
and you know, Cher Lloyd did music, but you know, um, let's move <laughs> on. Um, and yeah, I think Impact's there where she can go, listen, I'll do four shows in a row for you because Impact tape, so they do, yeah. they always do either a pay per view on the Friday and a TV taping for two to four weeks on yeah. a Saturday or Saturday, Sunday, just depending on when the pay per view is. And to me, that suits them because, and it suits her because she can film multiple weeks of TV. She can go away. She can basically pick and choose her own dates. And Impact is the sort of place where they've kind of been like, listen, if people want to come to us to wrestle for six weeks or six days, we're happy about it. You know, we we welcome everyone. Our door's open. You know, their forbidden door has been open for a long time, is, yeah. is the saying that they use. I think Impact could be that good thing where if she's going to focus on acting and do a bit of wrestling, it's the best place for her. If she wants to do wrestling to launch herself into the stratosphere again, I think WWE is the place to do that because they can get the machine yes. behind her. Yeah. I, I Listen, I would love to see her back in WWE as Sasha Banks. She's... It's hard to say this. Like Outside of Trish Stratus, Sasha Banks is probably my favourite women's wrestler. Um, of all time, I just always rooted for her. I like her style. I've always liked her character, um, especially when she's a heel. Um, I'm very, very much into Mercedes slash Sasha and what she does. Um, so I would, as a WWE fan, first and foremost, I would love to see her back there. However, I do acknowledge just with the way they've worded this, how big the star has to be, and also thinking what would make sense for Mercedes Monet. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if it's TNA. I, as well, this, this is something that if it was in the Dixie Carter era, I'd be concerned. Yeah. Um, but Scott Demore, as much as I haven't enjoyed him being an on-screen character and a wrestler, hmm. I I trust him to deliver here. I, I think TNA over the piece has been consistently good. You know, and there's been times here and there where you're like, oh my God, this person in the main event or what they're doing there, they've always managed to make it work somewhere or another. You yeah. know, they've made it entertaining. You know, even I, I don't like the Billy Ray Tommy Dreamer storyline, but it ended up being a big a ten person hardcore war where yeah. men and women got a spotlight put on them and it got ten people on the pay per view and it was chaotic attitude era style fun. So they always make it work. Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna go I'll, I'll go Triple H. Fuck it, Triple H is showing up. Triple H Triple H shows <laughs> oh. up and says that People for impact can be in the rumble. That that'd be great. <laughs> okay, imagine that. Oh, because the I know I know that you have your issues with her, right? Uh, but hardcore country playing in the Royal Rumble. Still. Oh no, that was great. It was great. That was so surreal. But like one of the best, and it was such a wholesome pop as well for her. If if that makes sense, like I don't know why it got me like pure emotional, but you can see how <laughs> delighted she was that people like recognise the music and are proud to hold that title up. Like I I I would love it if we could see which to right. Well, that's the question for you then: a men's TNA star and a women's TNA star, one each in each rumble. Who would you pick? Right. So for me, you would need Alex Shelley. So you would need um, Josh Alexander because he has been the standard bearer for okay. for so long. But 
I don't think he has that crossover appeal. I think he's very much an impact guy. Yeah. Um, I would maybe go with both members of the Motor City Machine Guns. Right. Both hold the titles and impact at this moment. And I think both of them are well known enough to the wrestling community that they would get the pop. If right. we only went with one, I'd go with Alex Shelley and the other person I would have would be Kazarian. Right. And then the women's rumble, who would you send? Oh, I don't know if Deanna Perazzo's leaving, but I think I think they would take Trinity just to continue that tradition of her doing amazing spots in the Rumble. Yeah, 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 that'd be cool. <laughs> I, th- I think, again, they would go hardcore country. I think they'd go Mickey James. So if I had to pick one for each Rumble, right, I would, I, you haven't mentioned who I would pick, because I would just go, even if people don't know who they are, just make them impressive to look at. So at the men's Rumble, I'd send in Moose to oh. do some damage. And in the women's Rumble, I'm sending in Jordan Grace. You know, oh. that, that's where I'd go. Yeah, no, they, I agree with both of them. I agree. I was thinking <laughs> logically, you were thinking fanboy, and I, I and the fanboy and me went, yeah, I agree. Big I meaty agree. men in the Rumble. Big meaty women in the Rumble. Just go for it. <laughs> oh, big sweaty men and women. Anyway. <laughs> that's what we love that's what we talk for hours on end on, on the podcast it's great <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about the, the final thing I'm going to talk about on the final central is Ring of Honor Final Battle and I know you haven't watched it David I'm going to give what I like about it and then you and I will talk about what I think I didn't like about it because it comes into a bigger conversation about the Ring of Honor AEW crossover. This next you, bit's a therapy session for you, is what, is yes, what you're telling yes. okay. <laughs> this, is my, this is my airing of grievances, but Scott and Grant took the third, so we're doing it on the 22nd. Um, <laughs> so, they had, you know, the, the Ring of Honor's always been a place to showcase other com- companies. You know, it's how New Japan kind of got a foothold in, uh, in North America and then of course across the world um, and of course for AAA and Vikingo going up against Black Taurus for the AAA Mega Championship to kick oh. off the show was sensational because Vikingo, it, it showed both sides of the coin here Vikingo did all these impressive flips and Hurricane Ranas and stuff that only he could do and then Black Taurus showed that there's still it's still the simplicity in wrestling Vikingo would do all this and then Black Taurus would just throw him across the ring and sometimes <laughs> just to watch a big bastard throw someone across the ring. Vikingo retains the title and he is now the second longest, I believe they said, Ian Riccoboni said on commentary, heading towards the second longest AAA mega champion in history, overtaking Kenny Omega. By the way, Kenny Omega, get well soon. He is an yeah, at the minute with diverticulitis, so hope yeah, see terrible. Him. Yeah, um, Mobile Embassy uh, with Prince Nana always a treat to watch him dance. Going up against TMDK for the Ring of Honor Six Man Tag Championships. This was just a hundred mile an hour six man tag action. It was fun. It was harmless. It was there. Here was my surprise of the night. Right, there was an I Quit match with Tony Nice, and Tony Nice. And this Ring of Honor adaption has become quite a compelling character. <laughs> Mark Sterling, they have they have veered into the skid with Tony Nese. Yeah, he is a bodyguard. Yeah, he does look better than you'll ever will. And you know what? They're going to let you know about that. <laughs> They're going to annoy the life out of you. 
and Ethan Page has been looking for an opportunity. Him and Tony Nese kicked it out of the park here with the I Quit match. The survival of the fittest match for the Ring of Honor World Television title. I didn't like how um, how um, Samoa Joe, can you get the words out there? Vacated <laughs> the title. I thought it made it look less than. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But Kyle Fletcher, there's talk of him being like the next Will Osprey and breaking away from Aussie Open. Mm-hmm. This first step towards that. Um, defeating the likes of Commander, Brian Keith, Lee Moriarty, Dalton Castle and Lee Johnson. By the way, Dalton Castle, the yeah. absolute star of this match. I know you love Dalton Castle. He's the star of wrestling, Ross. Again, the simplicity thing. Um, I don't know if, if folks remember the Heath Slater spot from a few years ago in the Royal Rumble, yeah. where he kept trying to get in the ring and people kept kicking him. Well, this match is a six-man match. Two men start in the ring, the other four are on the aprons. If someone goes outside the ring, someone else can come in and take their place. There's no tags. It's under it's classed as lucha rules, right? And every time Dalton Castle got into the ring for the first five minutes of this match, <laughs> I think every single competitor threw him over the top rope. And then the sixth time he did it, <laughs> him and Kyle Fletcher have a kind of Santino Alberto Del Rio but at the end of the 2011 Rumble before Dalton Castle throws Kyle Fletcher out to a massive pop right before Lee <laughs> Moriarty throws, <laughs> throws Dalton Castle right back out a second later and Dalton Castle's face was just an absolute picture. A great match. And Keith Lee versus Shane Taylor in a grudge match. I've never seen two 300-pound men do a Canadian destroyer from the top rope, but it was well worth the price of admission. A slow match that starts with, but then it ended up just being two big men beating the shit out of each other and then an amazing bit of athleticism at the end of the match. And for me, the match of the night, the Jay Briscoe Memorial Fight Without Honour match, FTR and Mark Briscoe going up against Blackpool Combat Club, Brian Danielson, John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. Brian Danielson making his first return in ring to a Ring of Honour match in 15 years and John Moxley making his first televised appearance. Uh, it was anything goes after 15 minutes because they both, both teams get counted out and they restarted the match under anything goes. It was brilliant. It was brutal. Watch it. So some great matches on the show and Athena and Billy Starks in the main event. Athena really found her character in Ring of Honour. Billy Starks, someone, an up-and-comer. She's only 19 years old. Yeah. She graduated high school. She's been wrestling since 2018. Did she you see kept... the photo of her online? Um, no. Bailey? No, but I, 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 you know what? I might have seen it and then I've just completely forgot that. Didn't with her. Like, uh, you know how people have been saying, oh, the hugger's coming back because Bailey posted oh. a photo of herself as the hugger. Yeah. The fan that she was hugging, that was uh, that was Billy, Billy Starks. Uh, she sent it as an apply to her just ahead of this uh, main event match to sort of show her encouragement. So that's how young she is as well, you know. Like, and I thought that was that was just a really nice moment for me, you know, and a, a good rub uh, from a sort of an established women's wrestler as well, you know. No, that's actually quite good. Um, so there was good matches on the show. There was a lot of filler, you know, Eddie Kingston beating Anthony Henry, uh, Wheeler Uter and Tom Lawler. I just don't get Wheeler Utah. Nyla Rhodes <laughs> won a two-minute match uh, against a jobber, and then on the main show, just 
Feller, 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 Taya Valkyrie and Johnny, uh, former John Morrison, Johnny TV, complained about not getting a spotlight in WWE. They're now not getting it in AEW and they're on the pre-show of Ring of Honor. This this show was in front of 1,964 people, okay? This is meant to be Ring of Honor's WrestleMania, okay? This is, this is their show, the final battle, okay? Mm-hmm. And here's what I wanted to talk about and get you involved in this. This is what happens when you can't have your world champion defending on the show because he's put both his titles up in the Continental Classic Tournament. So the Ring of Honor world title is now considered less important than a mid-card title, the third mid-card title that AEW are introducing. They've put up with that. He doesn't come out with the belts anymore. They are on you know, the podium with the, the new belt that's under wraps. Better than you, baby, with the injuries, are not defending the title. Maxwell Jacob Friedman's walking about with both of them. Yeah. And it showed here because a lot of, you know, to sell some tickets, they threw together this last minute six man tag, which was great. You know, the, the Dem, Dem, uh, sorry, Dem, Dem top guys against Blackpool Combat Club. A great match, but there was no story there. I, and I know the Jay Briscoe Memorial thing there, but it was put on to sell tickets, you know. There's no storyline with Ring of Honor anymore. There's no... And this is where AEW treating it like... They don't even treat it like NXT because Dominic Mysterio is the North American champion. He appears on Monday Night Raw every week, but he still appears on NXT TV. He still appeared on the on the premium live event before losing the title. Yeah. Whereas the likes of Claudio when he was Ring of Honor champion only showed up at the pay-per-views. The likes of... Better than you, baby. They don't defend the title on Ring of Honor TV. Maxwell Jacob Friedman doesn't show up, you know, to do proving ground matches yeah. against people and like, hey, if you can beat us, you'll get a tag match against us when uh, when Adam's fit. Samoa Joe showed up once in a blue moon on Ring of Honor TV and on Ring of Honor special events, but he was wrestling against CM Punk for the quote-unquote real-world title at Wembley. He came out with the Ring of Honor TV title, which he had held for over a year at that point, and they made no reference of it. There was so much advertising for AEW, and it was advertised like, here's where we will be next. And it seems to be, it's very much that early NXT thing when Vince didn't want to acknowledge NXT. Mm. It's even worse than that. You know, Ring of Honor is suffering for the fact that Tony Khan doesn't split them, and Tony Khan clearly views his product over Ring of Honor. And listen, that's fine. Tony Khan should, because Ring of Honor, let's not beat about the bush. Ring of Honor's not a promotion people watch. Ring of Honor's a promotion people watch five years later when the people are famous. Ring of yeah. Honor is... Developmental. Ring of Honor is like re-watching Friends and seeing... <laughs> Oh my God, Tad was that guy from CSI New York. I, I forgot. Oh, all what that. a reference, by the way. What? Oh, <laughs> that's great. Thank you so much. Oh, oh my God, that's fucking Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Charlie Sheen is, you know, that is <laughs> that is the sort of level that Ring of Honor is. You know, for so many years it didn't get on a TV sh- uh, station. It got on a TV network, the Sinclair Network, because they were the people that owned it, and still they couldn't make it a worldwide thing. Ring of Honor 
it's good for a video library, you know, if kind of like Netflix, if Netflix bought the rights to, I don't know, give me a an obscure 90s, King of Queens, there you go, yeah. King of Queens. If Netflix bought their rights to King of Queens and put it on Netflix, it would be a nice addition to Netflix and I'm sure people would watch it and enjoy it. But no one's watching Netflix and paying eight ninety nine a month for King of Queens access. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. it, it's just not that. And this is where we get to so many times with AEW. We get to the end of the road with something and there's no plan. There's no plan for it. And that's what I feel with Ring of Honor here. 1,964 people. Impact Wrestling's doing better numbers than that. TNA is doing better numbers than that. TNA is getting more buzz about it. TNA has produced more stars than Ring of Honor, certainly giving them a bigger platform, in my opinion. Yeah. And Ring of Honor is a show that was propped up by the likes of New Japan, AAA, and now AEW. And... I think Tony Khan really needs to have a look at this, you know, with the likes of Collision and Rampage and Dynamite and the amount of wrestlers he has here. I don't have a problem with him putting people on Ring of Honor TV, but when you still have the champions on AEW TV, it makes the people you move to Ring of Honor look less than. I think the, I think that all of your points that you've raised are, Right, I think that they're completely valid in the points I agree with. I think I, I, I the only thing I would hit back on is what you said at the end, having a problem from putting people on Ring of Honor TV, but it has to be done right. Like we've just talked about NXT Deadline and what they've done with Baron Corbin, like what you've done with Dom, as you alluded to there. Like there needs to be, and listen, I hate to say this because you've said it on the show and. Every other wrestling pundit to their blue in the face has said it. Tony Khan's own family are probably saying it to him now. Like, there has to be a clean split here with these brands. Like, you have to view Ring of Honor as a way. If it's developmental, that's great, but you need to give it its, its identity, you know, and you need to let it breathe. And the other thing would be someone else needs to be able to come in and shape the story of Ring of Honor, like you've said at the start there. There is no story, and that's because Tony Khan likes to, you know, be in charge and be in control of everything, and this is the style of wrestling we do. Like, it's about the action in ring. It's not always about the story. I was like, but then you're like, but that's AEW. That's already what your other promotion is. So when you're offering fans an alternative and a product and a style, why then would you just want to replicate that same style with the other promotion you own? So that's the that's the only thing I'd add in there. Like, I'm not offering anything new to the argument, and you know, I, I completely stand by what you've said, even in what in the way you've put it with Ring of Honor. But it's a sad state of affairs because you're right; it's never going to be the mainstream success. It's never going to be the thing that all everyone's behind and everyone's watching. But it can still be good. Is TNA have proven? If you know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. And in fact, you know, we mentioned the the NXT references. I don't even think it's NXT. Do you know what it is? It's 205. Because remember when 205 used to be, the pre-show of every pay-per-view would be a Cruiserweight title match and occasionally a six-person tag with the other Cruiserweights. The pre-show at every, or the opening match at every AEW pay-per-view 
uh, since All In. It's only one to the exception, I believe, All Out. There was a, a main show, a uh, Ring of Honor tag title match. Every other pay-per-view since, it's been on the pre-show. And it's just been Maxwell Jacob Friedman's other match. It's been yeah. to further the story of MJF's AEW World title match. And even more disgusting than that, Jay Lethal and Eddie Kingston had a Ring of Honor World title match at the last AEW pay-per-view. And it opened the pre-show. Yeah. Like, on the hour, there was no one there. Because no the thing is, everyone's like, oh, happy for Eddie Kingston. But, like, one, it's not it's not a big... T- I don't want to say it's not a big title, because it's obviously a title of history, but it's not. It's like, here you go, like, thank you for your service sort of thing. It's a token gesture to give Eddie Kingston. It's cheap heat to give Eddie Kingston that title. And the issue I have as we talk about WWE with Punk taking their time and it's sensible booking and... It's always moments that mean something, or at least it should be. But Ring of Honor has suffered from the hotshot booking of one man who's doing all the writing himself, you know? And that's that's just what it comes down to, Ross. I don't... There's no other solution I can put to it other than what everyone has said about Ring of Honor and Tony Khan's booking from day one. You need writers... You need help. You need other people shaping these stories and making sure that they are being produced as a television product to the best degree that they can. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you mentioned no storylines. I mentioned the good matches. The Shane Taylor Keith Lee storyline was that you left and went to WWE. That that was it. That that was the that was the storyline, and it's it's a storyline we've seen a hundred times. And you know, in the promotions, you left and took the money. You went to New York, blah blah blah. Yeah. Tony Nice versus a. Uh, I forgot his name now. Not not Josh Alexander, uh, Ethan Page uh, <laughs> match. It was a kind of generic story. There was nothing groundbreaking, but those two matches were really, really good. In spite of the fact, that, you know, they went out there and put their backs against the wall. That was it. And how often do you do that? about Tony Khan's companies. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're good in spite of the shit build. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know what? I'll end, I'll end the the final moan about Final Battle. I'll end the final rant of 2003 on Central <laughs> with this quote from Pete, uh, Pete Rosenberg on his podcast recently. He goes, how ironic is it that you all wanted a promotion where it wasn't just one guy running everything and now the promotion that you watched is that, and WWE is the hot promotion with Triple H and Shawn Michaels and Nick Khan at the helm, and it's just, it's completely 180, and Tony Tony Khan is now the problem in wrestling when he was meant to be the solution. That's, for he me... He became Vince. He became Vince and worse. You know what I mean? Like, not in terms of, like, behaviour and stuff like that, but, like, in terms of the booking style, he just, he became the thing that he hated, you know? And that, that's that's all you can put it. And that's the thing, there is the, the World's End pay-per-view uh, on the 30th of, 30th of yeah. December in Long yeah. Island. And... Two weeks away. Yeah, I'm just seeing what match. So there's the, the Continental Crown match, that um, has the inaugural AEW Continental Championship. The winner also gets the Ring of Honor World Title, you know, as a as a sort of 
an afterthought. And oh, they, exactly. get the new, they get a new Japan belt as well. The, 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 the strong but uh, Scott and Grant have mentioned, and I'm sure they'll mention it on the Festivus run, uh, New Japan are moving away from the strong experiment. That was meant to be their American brand, and yeah. it looks like they're kind of happy for that to be kind of linked with the Ring of Honor title and then linked with the other title. It just it, going the way of the dodo, and they're happy for it to go that way. But MGF Samoa Joe should be great. Uh, quite frankly, Samoa Joe should win if he's going to give up the the Ring of Honor TV title the way he did. That's the only reason. Yeah, and injured as well. So. So, so Mojo should be AEW World Champion by the time we enter the new year. By the time we enter the new year, we'll be reviewing AEW World End, WWE Day One, and New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom. Yes, but Wrestle Kingdom will make it to Central. Those nerds over at East Meets West, Grant and Scott, will strong arm me into talking about it. But yes, we will God. talk about everything and we will preview the reboot of. Uh, TNA TNA Hard to Kill the week yeah. later so there's going to be so much more on the first Central of 2024 right. looking forward to it so much just, more just to talk about the, the, the B shows as you would call them oh, um, yes. where, for those who don't know that I've been producing the feature content has been back up and running here the feeds like January uh, the first show that we've got back the profile we've got back um, is Rey Mysterio. We're doing a profile on Rey Mysterio and that'll be hosted by Kwaku Aji um, as well. And you might be thinking, how did you get Kwaku back in the SSR? I just pretended it was a Pictures and Pattern episode to them. I just told them <laughs> I got there. You know, it's on Rey. Just do what you need to do. <laughs> I mean, Chris, you've got Jack Graham on a show that wasn't Saturday Draft Live. You must be a medical worker. Speaking uh, of people, what have we got coming up on Pictures and Pattern? Pictures and Patter. We've got a Christmas special with everyone talking about their favourite Christmas movies. Uh, I'm also going to be talking to Chris Barnes, who used to badmouth me in the the movie trivia showdown. We'll be talking about the first season of the the reboot of Survivor, Ross, which has become a favourite of mine. If you haven't checked it out, go watch that in iPlayer because Survivor was so entertaining. It's traitors on a beach, but it's also the OG. It was fantastic. Traitors on a Beach sounds like a B, B movie that WWE Studios would produce. Stone Cold would be the cop. <laughs> Do you know what? You know, I kind of missed them. The WWE movies, <laughs> like, I kind of missed them. <laughs> so make sure to uh, check out all that on Pictures and Patter. And by the way, if your answer isn't Muppets Christmas Carol, you're very, very wrong. Anyway, wrapping <laughs> things up. Previews, reviews, interviews and all the news. Eat, sleep, suplex, retweet, iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites and at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Happy Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll see you in 2024. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews, and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Seek Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify, or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network.